quote Din Jarin, also known as the Mandalorian, from the Mandalorian. This is the way. But what is the way? <laughs> well, dear listener, this right here is the way. You pressing play on this episode of Nerd Out is the way. Nice right. It was meant to be, and now you're here. And welcome, whether you're new or old to the podcast, welcome <laughs> to Nerd Out, the show where we talk about news, TV shows, movies, and sometimes food. Uh, this episode <laughs> is packed. We're talking about the Mandalorian trailer. We're talking about the WandaVision trailer. We're talking about the David Tennant miniseries, Des. My name is Sandro, and to join me on this episode talking about all those things is the marvellous Rob Lloyd. Nerd is the way. <laughs> and the equally marvellous Jen Spears. Hello, hello, is indeed the way. I was trying to find a quote from Des, but they were all really sad and, and depressing. Or really and, upsetting, yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to go for the Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm like, once again, I've just had, di- I think I spoke about what I ate for dinner last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've just had a bowl full of pasta bake, so I am all like, you know, sleepy, mm. post-dinner, just like, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. That's the thing, because um, Santro said, sometimes we talk about food, and I'm there going in my head, when do we talk about food? And so, and then Jen, Jen goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit slow. I had some pasta bake. <laughs> it's my excuse. So I'm just, maybe I'm just slow, but norm, like, I'm just like always ex- blaming it on the food. We talked about Sandra's kilo of jerky. Oh yeah, the jerky, the jerky, the lollies as well. If the, you the know what I mean. Yeah. Gross. What? No. <laughs> it's not a kilo. Wow. Sorry. What? <laughs> We're recording much earlier than we usually record, and Rob, quite frankly, it's too early for that. It's too early. We <laughs> quarter uh, past seven in the evening. Hey, it's too early for sexual innuendo. Okay. Too exactly, early. Exactly. It's late, nine p.m. Late slot. night nerd out. We're still <laughs> we're still technically before the watershed, so you know we can't I, we can't be. We could yeah we could do a, a nerd out up late, but you know that would just be well a normal nerd out episode plus the the stuff that Sandra normally cuts out. <laughs> Which is mostly Rob and I just being gross. You, but you'll be very, very tired wanting to go to sleep. True, Jen. very true. I still got a dirty joke when I'm tired. They're usually when I'm at my best when I'm tired. It's past my bedtime, and I had a big bowl of pasta bake for dinner. Wow, is that your is that Jen Spears' voice? <laughs> I think that's a good a good opportunity to move on. What do you reckon? <laughs> All right, let's uh, do the the nerd news. What a segue! Breaking news. Ah, uh, there's a new trailer for The Mandalorian. Season there 2, is. it's out in a month. We're all very excited, and we all saw the trailer, and I thought it was very good. Doesn't give away too many plot details that we didn't know were coming up. Teases a couple potential cameos, though. Yes, uh, yes. Jen, you literally just watched it. I literally think? just watched it. Um, I love a, a trailer like that where it just gives you some really cool images. Mm. So it gives you an idea of maybe some of the places they're going to visit, maybe some of the characters or types of people they might meet. Um, that's a perfect trailer for me. A minute and a bit, some great music, stuff mm. you've, you know, you know, nothing new that you're not sort of weren't expecting. It's very, 
It's a very, it's the perfect representation of like what the trailer has evolved into or the teaser. Remember mm. those days like back in the, the, you know, decades ago when they just go, and here we have a next new movie. This will be fun and exciting and we'll give away <laughs> everything right here. We don't really know what we're oh. doing. We'll just show a collection of clips. But this, everything is paced out. So it's, you've, you've yeah. seen that type of template before. It starts with a couple of images and you're going, oh, what does this mean? And then you have the voiceover come in. The voiceover, yeah. And then you lead up to the action and you stop. And then you have a bit of action and then it resolves itself. So yeah. And a sick new logo. Yeah. A sick new logo. Blue. It's blue now. It's blue now. What does that mean? What does it mean? Does and, mean? You, and finally, Baby Yoda has taken his place in the actual uh, titles. Yes. Yeah. Because um, imagine if they put it in for season one before we before even like the pilot <laughs> episode. We'd be like, wait, what? It's 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 phenomenal that the the cultural impact that Baby Yoda made last year cannot oh. be because I, I I was so late into watching it. I only heard about Baby Yoda for yeah. for months uh. until I actually saw it. But then I like relived that impact all over again. And so it, it's the type you know, Baby Yoda is a phenomenal creation, not just as a per, you know fictional character, not just as a work of puppetry, um, uh, but just what it adds to the mythology. It could come yeah. across. It's the perfect balance of what Star Wars should be. It's cute, but it's not um, pushed to the limits, like you know yeah. what what the Gungans mm. were meant to be, um, mm. uh, or what even. Well, the, yeah, I mean, it could have. They took a pretty big risk in creating another Yoda. We we can't yeah. say another blah because we don't know what his species is. Is a Yoda, yeah. so like. I just I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that ideas in that meeting where someone goes I think it's it's going to be Baby Yoda people are like oh <laughs> like it could have been like if they'd done it badly it could have been fucking awful like well we it, it could be another Yardle am I right Yardle <laughs> is Yardle dead or can Yardle show up in season two I don't know yeah we don't know I if think... Yardle's dead Yardle only appeared in uh, in the background in uh, uh, Phantom Menace. In one yeah. of the one mm. of the council scenes, so Yardle could have you know uh, 80, been eighty sixth, or you know, or or sixty sixth, or even you know is AWIL or whatever mm. you know euphemism I can come up with. According to Wikipedia, yeah, there's nothing in the current uh, expanded universe to suggest that Yardle has died. So yeah. could be the season. Could, could be, be. The season two. Is that the character? That Sasha Banks is playing because she has been cast in an unknown role. Is that the character that WWE actress Sasha Banks is playing? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Uh, I'd just like to point out that um, uh, again, Baby Yoda steals the show. The 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 highlight of the of of the the trailer for me, the teaser for me, is a moment when they're in a um, a wrestling match type thing with Gamorrean guards fighting each other with their shirts off, which was you mm. know, slightly homoerotic and slightly disturbing and slightly arousing all at once. My favorite type of combination. Um, and, and Mando, Mando, Mando's being surrounded and all you see is the light up of the, of the whistling birds on his wrist. Mm. Baby Yoda looks at it and realizes I got to get the fuck out of here. Presses the button, shuts the <laughs> shell Hilarious. It is funny. It is gold. That's what comedy should be. Take that, Jar Jar Binks. Take a lesson. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea as well that we don't really know how old the ba- the, the child is. Um, It's about 50. I think they said between 50 and 90. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's a baby in terms of the species, but it's got, like, it's it's thinking. It's got, oh, you yeah. know, it's smart. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it, grown it, a lot in the last year, that's for sure. I, I think, yeah, yeah. You, you see a sense of recognition and understanding yeah. and building relationships like in the, um, uh, you know, Seven Samurai episode where we first meet um, uh, uh, Gina Carano's character um, yeah. like he, you know he, he's hanging out and he's like eating eating frogs in front of the kids and the kids are loving him and he's there going yeah. hey how you going guys um, yeah. I don't know why he turned into a 70s um, uh, stand, <laughs> up, going, stand up comedian <laughs> hey how's it going but then he has those beautiful moments of infancy in that you know playing with the the, the gear shift top um, and pressing buttons and things like that and you're like is he is he not knowing what he's doing is he taking the piss here. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's doing it deliberately to be annoying. Um, but, yeah, I'm very excited for this season. I'll probably – is it coming all out at once or it'll be weekly? Uh, it'll be weekly. It'll be weekly again just to get that conversation going, I guess, which I don't mind so much for Mandalorian because it is so episodic. Very true. So I think, yeah. They have, said, they have stated um, that it's going to be like season one with different length episodes, but I think cool. that means they're going to go longer because there was, what, episode three in season one, which was only like about you – know, Oh, five, it was so upsetting. Like 20 yeah. minutes long or – I want long, long, long. Well, yeah, I mean, I like the idea that they give the stories the length that – well, I assume they choose the length based on how long the story needs to be told. Mm. Just, just um, that freedom because so much of television yeah. is dictated by – you know, the acts they have for commercial breaks and also, you know, and a lot of TV shows build themselves up within that structure, like Star Trek, um, Community built themselves up. You know, all these TV shows went, this is how we work and procedurals worked within that that rigid structure. But just to go, to have that freedom to go, just write and mm. you finish whenever your story finishes. You just, that type of freedom of storytelling that they are giving The Mandalorian is, um, you know, a credit to the work of, you know, Favreau and, uh, and you know, his Lord High Feroniness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really keen. And, I mean, we, we know a lot of the characters who are going to be showing up this season, and I'm very excited to see a lot of them in live-action form again. Uh, very excited for the new directors who are jumping on board, like Peyton Reed from Ant-Man, Robert Rodriguez. I'm very yep. excited to see what he yes. does, um, particularly with this new technology, because he always has been a bit of a green screen slash virtually filming things sort of guy. So I'm very keen <laughs> to see how he does this. Yes. Uh, Let's see if there's any, uh, any, he makes any subtle references to Spy Kids. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> Definitely. I love that film. <laughs> um, isn't he making... He's making a sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Taylor Lautner was Shark Boy. Yeah. He yeah. really likes, like, prepubescent superhero-type people, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He'll yeah. do that, he'll do that, and then he'll go make <laughs> Machete, which is yeah. the complete opposite, and kids right. not watch that. But no. he did okay He did okay with um, Battle Angel Alita, which I liked. Yeah, that was good. Get you a man who could do both, you know? Yeah. 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 Range. He's got range. <laughs> it's got two ranges. Two, two ranges. Not two ranges, you know. <laughs> He's got two things. He's two ranges. <laughs> also, there was a rumour uh, a couple of days ago. It's almost definitely not true, but I do like the concept that they might be developing some sort of special for Disney Plus centred around Giancarlo Esposito's character, which I think is a cool idea. Mm. Well, it'd be very interesting to find out how he got the uh, the black saber, the dark saber, um, exactly. which, which yes, was a yes, prominent yes. part of uh, Rebels. Um, I completely forgotten that Ahsoka is showing up in season two. I was so excited about everything else. I've completely forgotten that 
you know, fan favorite who the fans have been asking for like years. Ever since Ahsoka came, they went, you know who should play Ahsoka growing up? Rosario Dawson. And now they've actually got Rosario Dawson. Mm, that's so right. I've completely forgotten that she's actually doing an episode. She probably will have like just barely a cameo or a, an appearance, just like Boba Fett's going to be in there in some way, shape or form, but we don't know yeah. how. Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically two Boba Fetts because there is actual Boba Fett, and then Timothy Oliphant is playing the character who steals Boba Fett's armor and that's... appears in like some of the books and stuff, which is cool. So that's he's going right. to be showing up, and he's apparently the the because everyone was thinking in the episode with Ming Nam as the bounty hunter, and there's the the like the feet walking in and the spurs, and they went, "Ooh, that could be Boba Boba Fett," but it's actually Timothy Oliphant who stole Boba Fett's. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also Katie Sackoff is uh, returning, although this time in live action form as the ruler of Mandalore, which is very cool. That's right. Very I missed that cool. as well. Yes, because she was the voice of it in um, in um, Clone Wars. Mm. Yeah. And I think Rebels, maybe for an episode or two. I don't know. I think so, yes. Oh, does yeah. that mean I have to go back and rewatch Rebels? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. So yes, October thirtieth, that'll be coming out. We'll probably end up talking about it weekly. Oh gosh! Oh, can we? And then another trailer that we got uh, just a couple of days ago was uh, WandaVision, the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel Studios uh, TV show, originally slated to be the second because uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was meant to come out in August, but that was mm. has been delayed because they haven't been able to finish filming. Cause covered. Yeah, it seems like it seems like they managed to finish WandaVision though, and if the rumors that Black Widow is going to be moved to March are correct, this will be our first look at Phase Four of the MCU, which is mostly um, uh, Disney Plus. Phase Four is very TV heavy. Yeah, from what I can remember, um, it's the it's the it's the trailer that everyone was going, "Hey, when are you going to show us a WandaVision trailer?" And then it came out, and everyone went, "Oh shit, you're showing us a WandaVision trailer." Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea about this show. Like, I didn't know when you said WandaVision trailer. I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and I clicked, and I was like, Oh, it's Vision. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. It's, Vision. I still don't really know what it is. I like watched the trailer and I was like, I have no idea what I just watched, which is cool. Yeah, they've, mm. they've been very, they've been keeping it very close to their chest. Like yeah. they only released like one uh, set photo of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, they only showed that that I- that image of like the 1950s um, mock up of One Division. So that's all they've said. So everyone's minds have just been exploding. Mm. Um, so it was good to actually see it. In some sort of, and I do an in inverted commas context. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't really know what this is yet. It it looks like a very trippy, potentially spooky time mm. in suburbia. Uh, but also it's a sitcom, but also it's a spooky time. And so who knows what it could be? And there is uh, references <laughs> to like 1950s style, Leave it to Beaver style, or Father Knows yeah. Best era, but there's also uh, elements of like 1980s sitcom as well. And yeah. ha- Halloween episode when you've got, um, which all the fans have been, you know, so excited about that Wanda uh, comes out in her actual Scarlet Witch costume from the comic books and Vision yeah. and Vision is dressed in his Vision costume from the comic books and everyone's going Meh. so <laughs> yeah. yeah I like the little like the little nods like I, I got a bit of a bewitched vibe yes um, mm-hmm, sitting at the table there and obviously it's set well looked pretty 50s to me so naturally I like the vibe even the lo- even like the the title um in that kind of old automobile kind of tv um company kind of font love so I like the look 
I just don't know what it's going to be. Well, that's the thing. I'm, 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 you know, Jen and I, we were all talking about it earlier that, you know, I'm not a big Vision fan as well, but I'm a huge Paul Bettany fan. So it's sort of like, you know, one of the most dullest characters ever played by this incredibly charming, charismatic, hilarious, funny actor. Um, So... Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it if it's going a bit more creative, a bit more, you know, within the confounds of, you know, the Marvel universe, what they would consider avant-garde or, you know, pushing the boundaries a bit. Mm. Um, it definitely seems like it's something that they can take a risk with, which they don't really allow themselves any risks within the movies. So Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I will say I do definitely agree with you in terms of the vision not being a particularly interesting character however this does seem to be very uh close to a comic book run from 2015 to 2016 called uh i think it was just called the vision or maybe the visions because it was like him he's got a family he's living in suburbia they're trying to live a normal life but the neighbors don't like robots or something like that um (laughs) it was it was like 12 issues long and it was probably the most original Marvel, like currently, rather new released Marvel book I've read in like five years. I thought it was phenomenal. So if it's anything like that run, I think this is going to be, yeah, quite experimental, which I think is is very cool and definitely yeah. something that, that the Marvel universe needs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the fact they used a Platters song, Twilight. Um, I can't remember what the name of the full song is. So I, I was getting elements of possible, you know, with that spooky rather horror element they might inject mm. a bit of twilight zone homage which i'm always a big fan of um uh and yeah good cast as well like um i, I don't remember their names off by heart but it's got the actress from um uh, that 70s show um wonderful comedic Step brothers yeah yeah and the mm. wonderful comedic actress who did a couple uh a little bit of parks and rec as well she's the one yeah um, who was, you know, dressed up as the witch. Yeah, she's very funny. So I was thinking, oh, okay, that's an interesting, you know, combination yep. of actors to bring to uh, this series. Yeah, there's quite a few characters that we have seen before popping up as well. Randall Park from Ant-Man and the Wasp is back as uh, the FBI agent Kat Dennings from the first two Thor films is returning. What's that? Who? Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings is back. She was uh, Na- Natalie Portman's sister or friend, one of the two. Yes, and <laughs> same, he, same. Yes, uh, assistant. Yeah, and in the second one, the only good joke in that, in the only good line in that entire film is when the hammer goes past. She goes, "It's meow meow." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm pretty keen for this, but very unsure. But it is directed by a guy who has worked on the Fargo TV show a lot, and I very much trust him. Oh, okay, yeah, his vision. <laughs> good pun, Andrew. <laughs> I really like his vision. I'm sure we'll watch it and review. Yeah, it's coming out in December. It's so look, oh. it, it, look just in time for Christmas. <laughs> oh, so wholesome. It's a Christmas miracle. Speaking of Christmas miracles, that that's segue doesn't work that, quite as well. No, that's good. I'll Go take any it. bloody miracle at the moment. <laughs> yeah. right. Am I right? Am I right? Well, mm. in many ways, this question is a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, interesting. Once, very, very long time ago, a child spotted a shooting star, Jesus. closed their eyes, made a wish, and the wish was to <laughs> ask the shooting star this question. Please tell us. The answer as well, what the shooting star answered. I'd love to know. It said, uh, no space or something. That's all I know. I'm just shooting through space. Consuming space and time. Just consuming space right now. I'm just shooting through. (laughs) Stardust as well. That's my deal. Watching Star Trek, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) The question, Jen, is what have you been consuming lately? Well, for the first time in 
however many episodes I've been on this podcast, I don't have anything to like talk about in depth and review. Have Right, right. I've um been. I mean, I've read a, I've read a book, but I don't really want. I can't be really. It's not that I can't be bothered. <laughs> I just don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> I did a book last episode. Um, I have just been wanting. Like, I've been watching a couple of things that we're probably going to review. Um. On, an ep- on episode, so I don't want to talk about them just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just been kind of like nis- like wa- wanting to watch, it's kind of like escapism, I suppose, just wanting to like comfort and familiar, a- familiar, a- wow. Wow. Comfort okay. and familiar, how do you say that? <laughs> Familiarity. What did I put in that past debate? Yes, thank you, Rob. Um, Seems like your past debate. <laughs> oh, hey. No Ooh. judging, no judging. No. Um, <laughs> that wasn't lettuce in the pasta bank. It was marriage. It was mar- It was not spinach. It was the grass. Um, ah. I uh, actually watched High Score, which Rob talked about a few episodes ago, um, which was really cool. Uh, a few things I didn't. Uh, Patty, both Patty and I had didn't know before, which was really interesting. Um, but I've just been working through X Files. I think I've, I've spoken about it a few times. I've never watched it um, before. And I started watching it from season one with Patty. It's one of his favorite shows. He's seen it all a thousand times. Um, so when he goes up to go to the bathroom and I pause it, he's like, it's fine. I've seen it six times already. I know what happens. You started that ages um, ago though. Are you guys still powering through? Yeah. So we kind of got, um, we started back in like 2018 and mm-hmm. then um, we kind of stopped. And then I got to sort of season three and it wasn't, we were having to get it in an alternative way. Uh. <laughs> Um, and it was kind of annoying, like setting it up and like links would be deleted and such. Yeah. Um, and then it went to SBS and we started watching it through SBS and now it's on Amazon Prime and mm-hmm. it kind of just dropped off. It kind of dropped off the radar, but you know, a bunch of other things we wanted to watch. And then, um, we started watching an episode the other day and I just, I'm hooked again. So we're midway through season four, um, okay. which is cool. Um, I don't know if it's spoilers to say what's probably not. It's how, how many years old. Uh, Alien. So um, Scully's just found out that she has a tumour in her brain uh, as a result of her abduction and the removal of the chip. Um, we're moving along a bit more. We found out a bit more about Cigarette Man, which I've like every every season or every episode he's in, I'm like, when do we find out who he is? Like when, at what point? <laughs> I want to know. And Patty's like, it's like season six where you find out exactly who he is. But I think I've figured it out. Um, but yeah, so it's just been real. like, I love it. Like, it's just, there's some episodes that haven't aged very well. Um, some of the humor <laughs> hasn't aged wonderfully. Um, there's a bit of sort of, uh, not queer phobia, but some jokes there. And like, sometimes a bit of, there's a bit of, you know, fat shaming and things like that. Um, but it's that classic nineties, like Frasier does the same thing. Like they'll throw a, a, a joke and I'll be like, oh yeah, okay. It doesn't really <laughs> land anymore, but like, I get it. Let's make fun of Roz for being, you know, being for with being, another man. Ooh. Yeah. And the whole season where Daphne goes to fat camp. Oh, um, God. Sorry, the, the spa. Um, because she's pregnant in because, real life. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so there's I mean, a couple of lines that, like, that, that Mulder will say, and it's a little bit creepy, a little bit sleaze. There's some moments where he'll, like, you know, check out a nurse or something. Just stuff that doesn't really fly. Like, it just wouldn't fly anymore. Um, but it's not enough to sort of make you go oh yeah this the show is still aged wonderfully it's just some moments that you're like i'm glad that stayed in the 90s um yeah 
but yeah, it's still like super like some of the special effects because they're a lot of the time really bad. Um, <laughs> sometimes they're just so so over the top gory that I'm like, I just can't, I can't watch this. I don't want to watch another person's face melt. I don't need to see another person covered in fungus or something. So, <laughs> but ev- but then when there's an episode that's more based on conspiracy and things like that, I'm like, that was a boring episode. What? And Patty's like, what? What do you want from me? <laughs> what do you want from this show? So, yeah, I've pretty much just been working. We watch maybe um, two or three episodes a night. Um, mm-hmm. Start watching it over dinner, and then sort of it's our like wind down at the end of the day. <laughs> it's pretty like full on sometimes, but it's a wind down show. That is intense wind down. <laughs> It's yeah. that or Bob's Burgers, so um, it just depends how we're feeling, whether we want to, like, you know. Bob's Burgers, I get. Yeah. Um, and that's another one that Patrick's seen every episode of, so it's kind of more for him than me. He's seen them all. But, um, so, yeah, I finished, uh, been watching that. Haven't really finished anything recently. Um, yeah, that's pretty, I've had a pretty boring week, to be honest. Having some time away from the screen. Well, Very there nice. you go. Yeah. What what but, what does a nerd podcast do when it, one of its nerd podcasters <laughs> doesn't want to look at a bloody screen? <laughs> yeah, it's the end of all podcasts. You go. There's nothing more for me to watch. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I mentioned it last episode, but I've been um we've been pl- back on the Mario Kart on the Switch. Oh. Um. Yeah, we've been playing remotely with our neighbors through um Nintendo <laughs> that's, Live. So that's, that's been great. really fun. Um, and then just Patty's been watching all the uh, new PlayStation release pre-order stuff. So we're in, um, yeah, planning our, our summer of video games. Nice. So, yeah, that's been my bits and pieces. What about you, Robert? Um, well, uh, under your advisement, and especially because of their massive win at well, the Emmys yesterday. Ooh, like All sweeping, seven. All seven. They, like, they haven't won a single Emmy uh, for their entire previous five seasons, and they just mm. sweep the pool with their final season. I started watching uh, Shit's Creek. So, Yay! Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Well, yeah, so I'm about six or seven episodes in, and I'm, mm-hmm. I remember you saying it's a bit of a slow burn at the start. Yeah. Um, um, I've started laughing out loud. Uh, Yay! Uh, the, most partic- the most recent episode I watched today was um, uh, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, uh, her character uh, Moira has to do the um, the the commercial for the wine uh, company for the free oh, wine. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that was also my first real laugh out loud episode as well. Yeah, and so um, so <laughs> Eugene Levy's character Jonathan starts freaking out, so they kick him away, and then she starts He's freaking so out lovely. and gets drunk, and so he has yeah. to come back, and then she does it, and she's pissed off her tits, and it's just um, he's so supportive. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm really liking is that normally in this the the default in this type of you know um, unconventional family is that you know everyone hates each other, but there's this real element of that Moira and Johnny are working together, and it's really yeah. it's really beautiful, and they have like yeah. little tips here and there, but they're really supportive of one another, and like the it's the usual tension between you know parents and and, and kids, but they're, mm. they're really open to the fact of going. <laughs> Well, the line of sort of like, you know, we sent them to the best boarding schools and we gave them the best yep. nannies. We were great parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I've, I've, my, my bro crush is 
Daniel Levy so far. I oh I, yeah. I have. I think it's love at first sight. I've fallen in love with him straight I was away. The same. Yeah. yeah, same. And Alexis just get Alexis gets better and better. Her outfits get significantly better throughout seasons. Also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, Her journey. I'm, I'm not sure about um uh, the guy that she's got interest with. Uh, the the son of the mayor. Oh, Mutt. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit eh, but um. Yeah, he's beautiful though. He's just like I don't know. Every time you're just like you are too beautiful. Yes. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. Your skin is perfect and your beard is so lush. Yeah. You're, um, yeah. You're, I don't want to look at you anymore. He looks far too good for someone who's yeah. not meant to that care yeah. much about how they look. Exactly. Um, Stevie's really good. I like her as a character, um, mm. and how her and um, um, Daniel Levy's character are starting to bond as friends. Um, so yes, I started watching that. I'm very very slowly into it. But, um, I'm a huge. Eugene Levy fan and Catherine O'Hara are amazing. The two of them have Yay. worked together for years since, um, mm. uh, you know, with Christopher Guest films. So um, I'm looking forward to getting into it and the world of it. I know that, like, there's a big doco that's come out about the final season and I've seen mm. a little bit of it here or there. He goes, no, 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 okay, I'll wait till I get yeah, to yeah, the se- yeah. final season to yeah. watch that. Um, it's great to watch after you finish, yeah. 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 Um, but the main thing, I've got a, a list of things that I've been going through, so I'll go through episode by episode. I've just recently <laughs> um, watched the most recent season of The Flash Um, Yeah, CW's uh, The Flash up to its sixth season, um, varying degrees of success uh, of the seasons, if those of you... (laughs) um, I've been a big follower of The Flash. I didn't really get into Arrow, but I jumped on the the Flash bandwagon because I was a huge fan of the 90s series that only lasted one season with John Wesley Shipp. so this is the most recent season. They've had to they had to stop production um, before finishing the final three episodes because of uh, the pandemic. So they've mm. they've released the season on a massive cliffhanger. Um, they've got a new showrunner, uh, Eric Wallace, who's replaced oh. um, Todd uh, Hel- um, Bering, and. Um, Eric's uh, decision uh, made the decision to split the season in, literally in half. That you instead of having one big bad over the entire season, which kind of started with well, which did start with um, Joss Whedon and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and every other you know cult show has followed that same pattern. Doctor Who's followed it, Angels followed it, uh, and um, pretty closely followed with the Flash. So they decided to split and go. Well, let's you know the audience fatigue has been clear over the last couple of seasons so let's split it let's have a big bad in the first half and a different big bad in the second half and that's what that so good yeah that's so good to hear it works really well because the first half um big bad could kind of runs out of steam by by the time it gets to the finale of that first half and we go okay yep that's good we've seen the end of that um, then it goes into the big uh, crossover event because they've been doing crossovers for the last four years with all the other, you know, Arrowverse shows. Uh, last year's Elseworlds was okay, um, um, but this year it was the massive Crisis on Infinite Earth, and this just covered everything. So there's a lot of press about it that every every single DC. Uh, reference point has been referenced in this. So you see a moment of Alexander Knox, which represents um, the Michael Keaton series. You have uh, the actress who played Black Canary in the Birds of Prey TV series from 2000. You've got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got Tom Welling there. You've got, yeah. you know, um, you've got Lucifer uh, appearing in there. You've got all this type, all those references. And of course, there's the big, it's not a big spoiler because it's already came out, the moment where Guy Gustin and, um, uh, uh, Grant Gustin and um, 
Ezra Miller, they're both, uh, their Barry Allens meet at the same part, time, which is great. Um, and then the second season goes into the next, um, uh, the next big bad. Um, and it's great. It's fantastic. Um, the Flash has got a new costume, which is great because the one he had last season was really, it looked really dippy. Um, uh, <laughs> dippy. <laughs> they put more focus on the Flash because that first half is all about him preparing himself for the fact that he will die in Crisis of Infinite Earth. So there's mm. been a lot of criticism about they always put the focus on different cast members and it's called the Flash, but they don't really give much attention to Barry. Barry gets a lot of attention uh, this season, which is really good. That's um, good to hear. That's why I stopped watching. That's actually yeah. really good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of controversy about uh, Hartley Sawyer, who plays Elongated Man. He's been a regular for the last two or three seasons and has been quite an important part of the show because um, in the comic books, Elongated Man and The Flash had quite a bit of a team-up in the 90s. Mm. Um, however, the actor, Hartley Sawyer, uh, was revealed on uh, a Twitter some previous quite misogynistic and racist uh, tweets that he then deleted and... And um, uh, CW have a zero tolerance to that. And so his character has been, uh, uh, he's been taken off the show and he's not in any of the publicity material or anything like that. It's just, yeah, which is a real disappointing because he became such an important part, an integral part of the show, which you see in season six. But there has been some word from Eric Wallace about they have, and that, story arc hasn't been finished yet and there's still three episodes to go um, because it's Mm. about him meeting his future wife in season six and that still hasn't been resolved but the producer has come out and said they've got around it in some way shape or form uh, so that you know uh, Ralph can appear um, in some way but he'll he'll be taken out Mm. and they'll find a new way for him to be incorporated which is a shame because it was a wonderful introduction but there's you know there's a whole world of DC characters to come from so um, um, uh, I've really liked it. All the cast are really, really strong. Um, there's some great opportunities for um, regulars like Candace Patton. She does some really interesting stuff, especially in the second half. She's really challenged as an as an actor, which is really good. Um, uh, Tom Cavanaugh's back playing in yet another version of um, uh, Harry, Harrison Wells. Um, there's some big like defining moments in this television series universe that happens because of crisis of infinite earth. If you've know the comic book event, then you know what's coming up. It doesn't end well. Um, uh, and how they move on from that. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's great. It's easy to watch. Um, uh, there's a bit of a somber tone through the whole thing, but there's, uh, when the fun does kick in, it's, uh, really good to see. Um, Yeah, and so yeah, I, I'm I, I'm very happy that it seemed that the new the new producer has brought and the new structure has brought in a new life to this show that you know most shows start to slow down um, and this show like as Sandro has proven he stopped watching it um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of fans have seen that it's losing its uh, energy and its uh, and its pace um, it's definitely picked up again for me in this season oh fantastic yeah I I might I might have to jump back on last. Arrowverse stuff I watched was the Elseworlds crossover, and then I uh, took a extended break, which turned into me not watching any of them anymore. <laughs> so I might go back on them because I do really want to catch up on Legends. I want to catch up on Supergirl. I do want to finish Arrow because I put so much time into it, and I've only got like twenty episodes left. Yeah, just uh, yeah, you've got to finish it off. Yeah, I haven't watched um, Legends in a while, and and apparently. It's in a better place now than when I first started getting into it. I've, I'd love to get into Supergirl. I've watched bits of it, and it's always been really solid. So, um, mm. 
they do great stuff with uh, Caitlin and um, uh, Frost this season as well. They give Frost a bit more of a time to breathe and experience life, and so that's really, really cool. So, so, yes, what about you, Sandra? What have you been consuming lately? Well, I think I should start off with a Dune update. Can we get a Dune update theme song, please? Walk without rhythm and you won't attain the worm attract, damn it. Walk without rhythm. <laughs> I was going to go, June, 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 June. It sounded we like can, you were um, saying Jadoon then, and I was like, yes, working Doctor Who and everything. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll might find a way to put that tune with my lyrics yeah. for, next, for next time. For next time. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Fix it in post. <laughs> fix it in post. Uh, I am 300 pages through Dune now, so an extra 200 since last episode. I'm wow. I'm getting into it. I'm getting okay. into it. I think um, there is still long sections where nothing happens, and it still annoys me how every chapter is a conversation and all of the uh-huh. action kind of happens mid-chapter, which is uh-huh. a, bit, a bit annoying. All of the, the non-worm action happens mid-chapter. <laughs> um, more worm action! More, more worm, worm action! action. <laughs> What do we want? More worm action. When do we want it? More often than 300 pages in. <laughs> the worm needs a spin-off. Yes. <laughs> they need like a, um, you know, like that stupid thing they do. I can't remember what country do. The, che- the cheese rolling competition where they run down a hill and it's like, basically I wanted to make a competition about like, you know, you have to get across the, the dune huh, far, as fast as possible without upsetting the worm. <laughs> yes, there's definitely like a, you know, um, yeah. battle royale thing. Oh, yeah, don't, I'm going to copyright that. Well, I, I just said that. I'm going to paint work, that. That could I'm... work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that um, Jedi Challenge kids show on Disney+, Plus, except it's kids having to run across a desert. That's what I mean, but except this with a worm that could kill you. Yeah. Um, cool, I'll uh, write that down. I'm still not a massive fan of Frank Herbert's writing, although I think one big mm. positive is that his sections in the desert do make you very thirsty. <laughs> like it's the dryness uh, yeah. is very well captured, and I think he does a good job of that. I That's don't great. think he's very good at dialogue, no, which is the majority of the book, which is unfortunate. But I do like the story that's happening. I like most of the characters. Having the audiobook is really helpful for the massive amount of characters that there are there because every now and then, for a lot of the longer conversations, they get in voice actors to play the different characters and the voice actors i think change sometimes from chapter to chapter that's just what i think although maybe it's multiple actors and they don't quite get the accent perfect each chapter or something i'm jesus but uh the the audiobook is is very cheaply made i'll say that much it's not it's not the it's not a great audiobook considering how beloved the book is are you are you are you listening to it while you're reading I am, yes. I am, yes. I've never done that. I, yeah, I haven't. I think the last time I did it was um for the Hunger Games books. So that would have been like almost a decade ago now. Yeah, I used to do it a lot. Do you tend to read faster than you listen though? Like are you finding you're, you're getting ahead of them? Uh, no, I am finding that I'm getting through the book a lot slower. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm catching, yeah, I, I'm not really reading ahead of the reader too much just because there's okay. a lot of long words that don't mean anything in there. The, the last time, the last time I read along with the audio was the cassette. A read-along. Or read-along, <laughs> read-along Star Wars Empire. Turn the page. We can re- <laughs> you can read along with me with your book. It's, yes. You know it's time to turn the page when you hear Audrey. Well, D2 go. Beep, 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 beep. <gasps> yeah. That's great. I wonder, like, 
it I might try it because I actually just bought um the physical copy of Rivers of London because I was listening to the audiobook mm. and I was struggling. Um, I prefer to read. I wonder if I could do both because I really enjoyed the guy's accent. Yes, and yeah, the way yeah. he read the characters. So um, I kind of I'm missing that and I'm still reading it in that voice. But do you are you finding that you're able to retain like you're getting more like yeah. more information? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. yeah. I, I'm definitely remembering remembering characters a bit more, and some of the jargon I recognize and and know what they're talking about. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> There's still some stuff in there. I'm still not 100 percent sure what the Chome Company is. God, I don't even remember. <laughs> and also, yeah, I'm over the halfway point, and stuff is happening that was shown in the trailer still. So I'm very unsure as to where the cutoff point in the movie oh, okay. is mm. going to be because um I'm getting quite close to the third act, and yeah, some of the stuff is still is still from the trailer. So I'm not too right. sure what's going to happen there. But yeah, uh, yeah, look, it's fine. I'll probably finish it next week. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, that word, fine. <laughs> it's a thing. It's my, my favourite word. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about very briefly, because, I mean, I watched it two weeks ago when I didn't, like, I wanted to talk about it immediately, but I just, I I, I needed my my thoughts on it to to simmer, to, to ferment, if you Ooh, will. Oh, nice, nice. And I think I know what I think of it now. I'm still not entirely sure. So Ooh. Charlie Kaufman, I'm a big fan of him. I'm ah. a big fan of his movies. I like a lot of his writing. I like uh, the movies he directed. I like them less than the stuff that he's written. I still think being John Malkovich might be my favorite film from him. But mm. so I was very excited to see uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, the movie that he wrote for Netflix, wrote yes. and directed, came out two weeks ago, based off a novel by Ian Reid, which I need to read because this film is a lot. This film is an awful lot packed into... <laughs> this this two-hour movie so the premise is jesse buckley uh she plays a character uh who has a name <laughs> and you should and you should focus on the name throughout the movie because i'm okay. not gonna say what the name is but the name is important make sure you keep track of the name uh she plays a character who is going on a, a bit of a, a a small road trip with her recent boyfriend jake played by jesse plemons from the star trek episode of black mirror he was also very funny in game night oh yeah so they are going to visit uh jake's parents for the evening uh the mother is played by tony collette as well and she's fantastic and the dad's david thulis yeah 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 he's the father it's it's a great cast it's a great cast she is uh, on this car trip and suddenly she thinks to herself, I'm thinking of ending things with Jake. She wants to break up with him. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. We don't know who this person is. The first 20 to 30 minutes of the film is them in the car having many debates about film and ethics and what it means to be a person. And that's going to throw a lot of people off because it's just 30 minutes of watching two people in a car talking. <laughs> and then they get to the house, some creepy stuff begins to happen. And overall, it's a very unsettling movie. Th- there's a lot, a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't quite make sense. There will be a line of dialogue just kind of thrown in the mist of quite regular dialogue, but it, it feels a little bit off and you're like, is that a clue to what's actually happening? Because all throughout it, you're like, I, I'm pretty sure what I'm seeing is not is not what I'm meant to be uh, focusing on, you, you know, you got to focus on, like I said, the name, the name is important. Um, 
So it ended, and I was like, huh. <laughs> the movie ended, and I was very unsure about everything. I didn't know what was up. I didn't think that I... I thought I didn't like it, because I, I wasn't sure what the point was. And okay. I thought about it a little bit more, and I, I had my own kind of theory... And I did something that I don't usually do. I did research on the movie. Oh, wow. Uh, the musical Oklahoma is a big part of the movie. And there is a right. certain sequence about Oklahoma where I went, I feel like I need to know more about Oklahoma. So <laughs> I did research on Oklahoma. And in doing research on Oklahoma, I now think I know what happened, but I'm still unsure. I'm going <laughs> to read the book. <laughs> I've watched Oklahoma. I've watched every on-Broadway, off-Broadway production. I'm going to read the book. I've read the compendium. I've read the script. <laughs> it is it is that sort of movie, though, and that's why I don't know if I like it or not, because you need to put in right. a lot of work outside of just watching it to know what is going on. Apparently that's the cool, book though. is a lot more straightforward and right. kind of tells you or kind of like leads you in the right direction. I feel like Charlie Kaufman was almost trying to mislead the audience, which right. for a film that's already as abstract as this, I don't know if that is a good <laughs> idea. I like it because I quite like this sort of stuff, but yeah. pretty much every person that I've talked to who has seen this hated it, and uh, I can 100% see why, because it is a very, very strange movie. It's also very sad, but you don't know why it's sad. Like, you're watching the movie and you're like, I don't actually know why I'm finding this so sad right now. I'm going to watch it now. That's cool. Like, I've, um, yeah, I didn't know it was so, like, abstract. I like, you know, it's, if you know that's what you're going to get, sometimes finishing a film or a TV show and then having to kind of, like, delve into all the other stuff around it, the lore and that kind of thing and influences, it's kind of fun. It is. It is. Uh, Yeah. And I... I quite liked that, although having to look at the the track list and (laughs) go through the lyrics of Oklahoma might have been a little bit too much. But Oklahoma is wonderful. (laughs) It is. It is very. It's 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 a pretty it's a pretty good yeah pretty good thing. It's got a a weird dream sequence in you know right smack bang in the middle where you go into the mind of one of the female characters and you actually find out the villain is someone she's actually attracted to, so she's repressing her sexual desires, which is a good comment on you know the patriarchal society during the Wild West. And uh, yeah, all in Oklahoma. I think and- there might be a a ten minute discussion in the movie as well, talking about an essay about a movie called A Woman Under the Influence. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're discussing an essay about a movie from the seventies that you probably haven't seen. Classic. So it's that sort of stuff in there as well, which I feel like Charlie Kaufman had a very deliberate vision and he definitely succeeded in that vision but putting that vision on netflix might not have been a good idea (laughs) this might have been a film festival film i think if this went to the film festival it might have gotten a bit more positive it's Uh, interesting like i didn't i don't know anything about this film and i just reading scrolling through netflix as you do and went oh that's about suicide i'm not gonna watch that like mm. I didn't have like just from the name I'm thinking about ending things. Ah. I, that's what I assumed, and so yeah, I would not. I wouldn't have even looked at it until unless you know I'd heard what you just had to say. So yeah, I hadn't even read like the blurb for it. The name is a bit of a misdirection as well. Yeah, kind of everything. But that's is. kind of cool. I, I yeah. So there you go. I, Nothing I, is what it seems. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know uh, how to rate it. So I might. <laughs> I did like it, and I did give it a four-star review on Letterboxd once I realized 
what happened or what I thought happened, what my interpretation was. So um, I think I might, yeah, go for like a light thumb up, but I'm also unsure and very hesitant to recommend this to anyone. But if you do watch it, Jen, we will definitely talk about it because... Okay. Yes. I'll let you know. Charlie Kaufman's done it again. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's let's move on now, though, to the main discussion of the episode over the last uh, week. There was a three-day period where in each of those three days a new episode of an ITV original TV show dropped starring David Tennant. It was called Des, mm. uh, set in the 80s, based on the arrest of a serial killer called Dennis Nielsen. Uh, three episodes came out. They're all about 45 minutes in length. The whole show is probably just over like two hours. We've all seen it. Now, because it's based off real events, we probably aren't going to do spoiler... We are probably aren't going to do non-spoilers than spoilers. We're just going to freely talk about everything that happened in it. But uh, if you do want to know nothing, go watch it now. Come back to the episode later. You can jump ahead as always. There are time codes for stuff. But yeah, first impressions of Des. What did you think, Rob? Um, yeah, I, I first impressions. I really loved it. Um, uh, I, I think I've made my opinions on David Tennant as a doctor <laughs> very clear, but my opinions yeah. of him as an actor. Uh, uh, something that people kind of forget. I think he's a very good actor. I think he, there's a reason why he's become so popular um, is because there's this innate uh, charisma and likability about him. He's got a great charisma on screen that he's become the most popular actor in the UK. Um, and he does have great range as a performer. He can do dramatic. He can do uh, serious. He can do romantic. He can do silly. Um, uh, and this is a... St- a step out of anything that he has done before. He's done quite serious roles, say with um, uh, Broadchurch. He's done ridiculous roles like in Fright Night. Um, he's done fun roles uh, with a hint of tragedy like Casanova. Um, but this is him channeling the work of a real-life monster. And yeah. for, I'd say, 80% of it, it is strikingly, horrifyingly Mm. incredible there's about 20 percent of it when he is playing angry or agitated or frustrated and he falls back on his usual tropes as an actor where i see Mm. see him the actor not the character but there are some Mm. there are some scenes especially in that opening episode um where it, he he just blends into this character, and if he had maintained that through the entire thing, it would have been hypnotic. I mean, it's an, it, it's a tour de force performance, but uh, he breaks out of it just a little bit. Um, but it doesn't go like completely out of character. It's just he relies a little bit on the things that he knows. But for eighty right. to eighty to eighty five percent of it, he is just hypnotic and so unlike anything he's done. I think it's mm. yeah. And the the rest of the cast are outstanding as well. Like mm. uh, um old reliable Danny Mays who's been doing stuff for for decades is incredible as chief inspector mm. uh Peter J. Um like Ron Cook is in there. He's done he's been doing stuff. He's done Doctor Who. He's he did the Thunderbirds movie. He's fantastic. That's right. Yeah. Um yeah, all of it's good. So my first impression, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to go deeper with it with you guys and find what you thought um but it's very much a a a tour de force from david tennant and it's a riveting watch i I think they get the balance of it quite right but i'm very interested to hear what you guys thought of it Hmm. um what about what what did you think jen 
Yeah, I, I mean, I messaged you guys 20 minutes in um, of the first episode and just went, I think I said, wow, Tenet, and just generally like, wow. Um, <laughs> I, being a true crime gal, um, I've read a lot and listened to a lot about Dennis Nielsen. Um, Did you know much beforehand? They- Yes, yeah, so um, uh, the last podcast on the left do have done it. They did a double episode on him a few years back. Um, so I, I'd forgotten a little bit about it, so I re-listened to it. And um, a lot of the true crime podcasts and and that one especially, they focus a lot on the crimes themselves um, and and the the lead up to becoming a serial killer. And don't often, not this time, they sometimes do go into the the uh, the um, uh, investigation and the law side of things. So they focus mainly on the crimes and the and the what creates a monster, basically. So I knew where he had come from, I knew his background, and I knew what he had done, but I didn't know. Of course, we don't know how much of what they sh- the dramatization is true, but I didn't know so much about the actual investigation, and so it was really I was it was really nice to see a different side of that story. Um, so I was really pleasantly surprised um, by that, and um, yeah, just. I thought it was incre- incredible, nice and short, um, a really good look into how different police, uh, uh, like the police um, force, I guess is the right word for it, back in the 80s as compared to now, oh, which yeah. I can, we'll get into a bit when we talk about it more, but just the things that wouldn't even happen these days, like wouldn't, not just because yeah. of technology or anything, but just because <laughs> departments talk to each other and <laughs> there's not all this bureaucracy. So... Um, where they, 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 they go over that in the, what I have listened to about and read about him, but not in that, to that level. So not only were you getting this sort of amazing character performance acting by David Tennant as, as this monster, but you were also seeing a side of, of these things that you don't normally see, like the Ted, the Ted Bundy movie, very Mm. much about him. And this wasn't, it was about Nielsen. Absolutely. But it wasn't. I didn't see him as the main character. I absolutely saw the inspector as the main character, and yeah. that was really cool. Um, it reminded me a little bit, kind of gave me a bit of Mindhunter um, yes. vibes mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, like, you go, whoa, this guy is amazing. What a what a performance. But, yeah, it was really cool to see a different side of that story that I already knew. Even so, like, I knew what happened, but I still was like, oh, is it going to be different? Like, uh, you know, maybe he will plead. Uh, spoilers maybe he will plead guilty but no of course he doesn't because that's not what happened in real life um so yeah i really i thought it was incredible um absolutely what about you sandro yeah uh from a yeah the performances as as we've been saying amazing i i don't think i've ever seen daniel mays as a non-comedic main Mm. character in anything before and he was fantastic i just just straight after this, I went, I need to watch some more of his stuff because I haven't <laughs> seen a lot of the TV he's done. I've seen a, a lot of the like on en- ensemble p- performances he has done mm. in like movies and stuff, but not, but not necessarily with TV. Uh, yeah. David Tennant. I mean, as soon as I saw the side by side comparison in <laughs> like a trailer or something, I went like, wow, this like yeah. good on him for wanting to do this as well. I feel like he's the only doctor who would, the, the only <laughs> recent Doctor, aside from Eccleston, maybe, but also Eccleston just kind of does whatever he wants. Um, like, he's <laughs> the, the only Doctor who would play a serial killer. Like, I don't mm. think anyone else really... I mean, you know, Matt Smith was in the, the stage version of American Psycho, but that doesn't count. <laughs> like, this is a real person. And Yeah, how and, chuffed do you reckon the casting directors were? I mean, whether they he auditioned, we don't know. I don't know if he auditioned or if they picked him, but... 
A looked the part when they did it, but he's got the accent already. That's his net like <laughs> from, yeah. what I, from, from what I've heard, he he was like behind the development process. He'd been wanting okay. to do this as a project, so he yeah. you know went side by side with the producers and they worked on it together. So he, he wanted a new star vehicle for him. They wanted a star, um, and it came. Yeah, yeah, I just think like a bit. Great actors, you shouldn't be able to tell they're putting on an accent, but a Scottish accent is so hard to do, and I always think that characters with accents, like you, you Colin Farrell and, and David Tennant, just their performances are always better when they're allowed to keep their accent. Yes, yeah. well, um, well, it's a big point, point, uh, point of contention, you know. There's been quite a few Scottish actors who have played the Doctor. Uh, Sylvester McCoy kept his Scottish accent. Uh, mm. uh, Peter Capaldi kept his almost impenetrable Scottish accent. Yeah. But when David Tennant got it, he put on a British Changed accent. It. Yeah. And I just yeah. think, yeah, like how perfect to have him. Like he was, it sounds awful, born to play Dennis Nielsen. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's played, he's yeah. played, a, he's played a absolutely horrific character in mm. the first season of Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. <laughs> yes. A performance. A performance so, so good, he kind of ruined all the other seasons because he was so good in that first. Well, season. yeah, exactly, and also, yeah, he, it's sort of like the dark mirror version of uh, his tenth Doctor performance. It's very much there's so many traits that appear in his tenth Doctor persona that appear in uh, uh, Kilgrave. So yeah. just in you know, just in a completely you know fucked up extreme. So he can mm. do it, and he can. He's very good at. At, at doing you know the light and the dark, but um, yeah, this is yeah. pure darkness. Um, uh, some stuff that I really liked from a writing standpoint as well was how anti uh, exploitation this was. That's there what aren't any oh, flashbacks to the murders, which uh, yeah. I love. Oh, I think I that really was appreciated that. I did, so well done. Yeah, I did want to talk about that because the whole miniseries is about not celebrating Des and Des wanting to be the center of attention and wanting to still be in the newspapers and for, you know, he, how he telegraphed this to always be in the newspapers to be celebrated and not, you know, and all that type of stuff. And so they got that balance really well of never having, never seeing the murders, never seeing his past, having Mm -hmm. talk about it briefly. He just comes in as this embodiment of the character. You have, or, Everybody judging him, even the even the journalist who's played uh, beautifully by Jason uh, Watkins, um, and you also heard the story from the victims, like those who mm. escaped, um, those who lost loved ones, um, uh, uh, parents. All these, all, you you heard all that side of the story. So it was never a celebration. It was a case of they never made him the central focus. It was all about the. the what I really yeah, it wasn't like. a spectacle like they do a lot with serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. Like again, the um, the Ted Bundy movie from last year. While mm. you know Zac Efron's performance was actually very good, yeah. I hated how how celebratory that movie was. It just felt gross to watch, mm-hmm. and this yep. it does not at all. No. And yeah, absolute. It feels gross, but for a different reason. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I like them. They make a point. Like, and you know, the reality of, you know, the police department at the time, they were struggling with funds. They got, uh, they got as many as they could, and then they just moved on from the case. And you know, you could see from, uh, you know, the detective Jay's point of view, we need to find the faces and we need to Mm. honor all these boys who were who were taken. And so 
that was that is played through the entire three episodes, which I think is very honourable, and I haven't seen in, you know, you know, you know, we've all become obsessed with true crime, and you yeah. know, the the serial killer. Uh, genre has been, you know, really incredibly popular for for many decades, but especially picked up a lot in the '90s with Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. But it's always mm-hmm. the victims are almost secondary, and for this, yeah. the the victims were always prominent, and especially uh, the final shot after they say what happened to Des, after they say what happened to uh, Brian Masters, what they have, what the, the sad truth about what happened to Peter, uh, Detective Peter K after the crime just to take time before the credits rolled to show all the victims um yeah. i thought was was wonderful was absolutely you know, a, yeah a, a beautiful symbol um and the, the sad fact that there's still you know a, you know six six uh six six of the bodies who haven't been identified which is just tragic yeah yeah uh, I don't know about you, but when it started and the ITV logo went up, I did like my expectations did drop a little bit. Uh, <laughs> ITV recently, particularly recently, maybe the the last ten years, pretty much everything I've seen from ITV, I just I like how it starts and I love the cast, but just the tone and the pacing always always just annoy me and I stop watching like. Jenna Coleman, great actress. Victoria, great start. Gave up after three episodes because <laughs> the pacing was awful. Um, the director of this show, uh, Lewis Arnold, he worked a lot on Humans uh, with Merlin, show about androids. Very, very good show, very good concept, very slow when I stopped watching. I liked how this was three episodes and it never felt like it stopped. It never felt like it ever gave you a break. There were breaths nah. of fresh air in there. But it was always uh, not necessarily unrelenting sadness, but unrelenting plot. Which <laughs> is—it's not a great way to put it, but you know what I mean. There was no well, there was, yeah, there was no dead weight. There was no filler, and that's why, like, having it as three episodes, just perfect. Because if they tried to stretch it out to be a full-length series, I reckon there would have been a lot of just like in betweeny like we kind of got a glimpse of i keep forgetting his name um the main inspectors uh thank you at the start a little mm. glimpse into his personal life and you know occasional little moments but it's kind of like we didn't have we didn't go home with him every night and sort of see his monday it was all about the pursuit of the case I did. Um, I did like. The, I did like the moment with just him and um, the other DI, uh, Steve, yeah. just sitting around having a beer, and they're just they're going, "No, I can't sleep," you know, and yeah. I, you know, I'm not sleeping at all, and just just that you know that whole you know '80s you know tough guys, and but that's how they um, how they and actually opening up and saying this this is how it's affecting me, and it's it was quite a powerful moment in how little was revealed, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was always a case of, from what I saw, um, I think they gave a quite truthful representation as, you know, as truthful as you can in a fictionalized account of Des, but there was never any sense of you sympathizing or wanting to get inside him. Even, even like, even his connection with the dog, you can understand it, but you never, you never, you never felt for him. But you could, yeah. and, and because everyone else was, he always, there was no scenes with him on his own. He was always yeah. with somebody else and there was that outside That's view good... to judge him. Yeah, I hadn't actually picked that up. It's a good point, Rob. There's no like, 
show Des. Uh, is there one moment that he's on? I think it's only they show him in his cell because someone's coming to visit him. So it's, he's not alone for very long. But mm. it's not like showing him like crying in his first, not that he would have cried in his first night in lockdown or, or <laughs> yeah. you know, um, which they do would normally do. So I didn't even pick that up. And that's a really good point because you're right because those moments are almost like, look how sad he is. You know, it's hard yeah. for him to. And look, I've been called a bleeding heart in my time. And... Um, <laughs> There are like the the small moments where he looks pathetic, and when someone looks pathetic, my my automatic knee jerk response is to go, oh, that's sad. But any time I even like was edging toward, oh, well, he's a bit of a weirdo. Like maybe maybe he did love these these kids. It would be like boom. I don't like. There would be a well. He didn't say that before. Why didn't he tell us that earlier? It was always that like. Don't forget he's totally calculating this and he's giving us mm. what he thinks and so that was really clever like any time that I, it, you sort of even erring on the side of a, of sympathy or empathy you were you were reminded that he's a complete calculating you know yeah. monster or everything yeah. is an act um which even like you know early when he first came in and they were questioning him there was that humor that sort of dark humor of like some of the blunt things he said and you kind of laugh at the ridiculousness of it oh that um, the moment where he goes you know you know um you know why'd you do it and he goes oh what's wrong with you or something he goes i oh, hoping you could tell me yeah yeah um, yeah that first interview it's so it's so interestingly done because you don't like the the show doesn't tell you to hate him and so you no. don't really at that point obviously you know he's confessing to killing 15 people and you're like well this yeah. guy is awful but then you're also like the performance and maybe it is because it is david tennant and even in his awful performances he's still david tennant yeah. and <laughs> I, I don't know i found it i found it very interesting how tennant played <laughs> him in those moments because it did mm. it, it, it was almost jack nicholson in the shining he was almost yes. playing a sitcom role Almost. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and there, and, and the, when I say funny moments, it was the la- laughter at how like unusual he was because you expect a serial killer to come in and be like completely nuts, um, and, and he is, but you know he seems so normal. Um, and there was even a moment I can't remember the exact line where he's he talks about something and he's like, um, uh, and then I, I put some you know I put towels down because you know for blood splatter and like uh, like little like added details that he adds that just make the thing seem like a normal like evening um and i think it's the the funny out because it's so completely not normal like you're like this guy is talking about this so calmly like it's a normal thing and it's not um so I, they found a really good balance but yeah like, yeah thank you rob Cause yeah for, balance yeah because for me like the things that people would be looking at going are they have other people's opinions and stuff like that, but they kept that for him. Like he was there going, why aren't you talking to the people I work with? You know, why aren't you talking to about yeah. these people here or that? Why aren't you getting all these points of view? You know, I'm innocent until proven guilty. I'm not going to, yeah. yeah. And it actually happened. You know, he refused to change into his prison gear because he said, no, 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 I'm innocent until you prove me guilty. So why would I put mm. on the clothes of a convict? Where And so, yeah, and there's a whole thing that he actually protests, like he wouldn't change into the clothes so he was in the nude for all this time. He wouldn't put the clothes on. That was a part of his protest. And they didn't yeah. they didn't have that in the, in the show, obviously. But it was always, 
that what you would show in a lesser series of having, you know, you talk to the people at his work and they go, oh, I didn't expect it. He was so wonderful. They never mm. had any of that. All that stuff came from him. He was there going, well, you know, I try, I treated them nicely. I, I, I'm highly respected at my work. Why don't you talk to them about that? I'm more than just... You yeah, know, this thing I and it's do. such a nice change because even nowadays, even the media now, when they report on a murderer or a domestic abuse, or something it's lo- um, loving father kills wife, and you're like, well, he's not a loving. Fa- Sorry, it's so out of character. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, it's not out of character because he did it, so it's in character. Unless you know, that's a whole other level to that. But this whole like the way that they. The headline will be, you know, beloved, you know, father of four, um, doctor does this, and you're like, yeah, but he's no, he's he's murderer now. Like, um, yeah, one moment I particularly liked is at the end when <laughs> yeah. they finally revealed uh, the not unanimous, um, but majority mm. majority votes, um, and there's the moment where uh, Pip Torrens, who plays. Uh, uh, Ivan Lawrence QC. That's the that's um, Dez's QC, who's been really going at these uh, witnesses and stuff like that because he's defending um, Dez. He turns to Jamie Parker, who plays um, uh, the QC for the police and for the prosecution yeah. and stuff like that. And he actually plays played Harry Potter in the original run of um, uh, the Cursed Child, Cursed Child in, oh. on the West End and in um, and oh. on uh, nice. uh, Broadway. Um, that moment when the when when the when the verdict comes out and uh, and the defense lawyer looks over at him and gives him a nod and goes yeah, yeah. so you just go yeah everyone's He's like I was just doing my job <laughs> yeah, yeah and Pip Torrens is such a great actor as well he was um he was her star in Preacher so I've seen a lot of him this year <laughs> and he was he's in the Crown he's great in the Crown yeah and um and that nod that he gave was was an excellent detail yeah because yeah, he did it and Patty. Paddy kind of went, uh, he's like nodding to the defense, uh, the um, prosecution and being like, you fuck. And I'm like, no, that nod was a uh, justice has been, I, I read it as a, you, like, well done. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I read it as I wanted well. you to beat me secretly. <laughs> Not as a fuck you beat me, as a, yeah, justice has been done. Like, that's what he deserved. You know, you, your defense lawyer's got to still do his job to the best of his ability. You can't throw the game, so to speak. Um, and I also said, like, God, doing defence lawyer, he, you must have to have the best security at your house because most hated people in the world. I think you heard it in uh, talking about the actual uh, defence team he got were the same who the same defence team who uh, uh, represented the Cray brothers who were big gangsters back in the 70s mm. in London. Yeah. So, yeah, he pulled out the big guns after someone who let, let his own um, defence counsel go on his first night. Um, <laughs> uh, I also particularly like the, uh, the, the final scene between uh, Danny Mays and um, David Tennant when he comes over and says, yeah, well done. <laughs> he does that line, fuck, you know, that offhand line, it was down to the wire at the, at the end, wasn't it? And you're going, <laughs> it's not It's not the Oscars, Dennis. Yeah, that's, yeah. they're yeah. the thing, they're the moments that I found, like I, I kind of went, I laughed. Yeah. Because it was just like, oh, he's still, he's, yeah, he's ineffected by it almost. Like, oh, and then it just flips around and he goes, it's good that you got, yeah, yeah, because I wouldn't have been able to stop. Yeah, I would have. I was, oh, that was terrifying. Yeah. What a terrifying last line. Yeah. And delivered so well. Just It would have been yeah. like, it would have been 1,500 or whatever. He said 150. Yeah. I was yeah. like, fucking hell. And it would have been 
Because um, they just, they, he was, he killed 15 people under their noses. Yeah. Um, um, which is another thing that I enjoyed, actually. Um, a, a lot of serial killers are from around the 80s and 90s because uh, they talk about with modern technology, there's just no more serial killers, really. They're just, they cannot, serial killers cannot function and they can't do what they used to be able to do because it's just too much. There's, they're too easy to catch, if that makes sense. Like with the lo- mm-hmm. uh, modern technology and forensics, it's just they just cannot. We're never going to see another, you know, serial killer like Ted Bundy or um, uh, Ate the Boys. Oh my God, what's his name? Um, um, uh, 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 Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh right. Thank yeah. you, Jeffrey Dahmer. Like we will have people that will mo- kill multiple people, but not in that level, not at that level ever, ever again. Um, and yeah, it's just so interesting seeing. Um, how that it affects the police force about that and how the media completely crucify them saying, well, you let this happen for 50, for how many, three years. And you didn't, you just, it, you let basically blaming the police for you. You didn't do a good mm. enough job by, by letting this guy kill 15 people. Well, it's a very um, interesting, it was so tied to the whole thing because Des picked on, yeah. Des focused on the homeless, the the, yep. the disenfranchised, the lost, and the opening yep. sequence is all about that was so good. An exploration yeah. about London is you know you know in all the the TV shows and everyone talks about it like it's paved with gold, but once you get there, it's dark, it's scary, yep. it's unforgiving, and there's so many lost mm. souls that just they set that up very well fall for that. through the yeah. cracks. And so that's a be- and that was a beautiful start to lead into this person who took advantage of that and then yep. to show those yeah. names and to have like the final victim or the, the most recent victim who's been identified, who was Dez's first, was actually 14 years old, was yeah. s- such yeah. a kick in the guts at the final moments of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Um, yeah, the exploration of yeah how it affects the police force and just how, how that happened and why, as I mentioned earlier, like why serial killers weren't caught because... Uh, people didn't talk to each other different like different departments didn't talk to each other so you could be like uh i don't know have you seen any other cases with this pattern and they'd be like oh why would i tell you like where close it was all about who caught the bad guy not about Mm. catching the bad guy it was about who gets to go to the media and say we caught the serial killer and they think they mention it in the show like you just want to be the guy that caught Dennis Nielsen yeah um and all the and all the talk about going you've spent enough money We've got enough to convict him. Right. Let's move on. And 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 he's there going, it doesn't matter how much we spend. We know we you know we'll take as much money we, as we can. And they just went, no, nope, you've got enough. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, sure, you put him away, but he was and and you see it directly from one of the victims' uh, exes about yes, you put him away, but my my lover doesn't get justice because he has not been convicted of his murder. Mm. And that idea of like, is it just good enough to put someone away or yeah, like it's not always enough just yeah. to say that, well, that he's never going to come out of jail. Yeah. But that case hasn't been, you know, yeah. And what yeah. I particularly liked about it as well, it showed, you know, there's a lot of criticism towards the, the police about, you know, and how the, the system is dealt, but the respect they have for the, the, the men and women who are actually investigating that yeah. you know, they've followed all the rules. They didn't, you know, they yeah. weren't those renegade cops breaking the rules no. and that <laughs> loose cannons. Yeah. That, that yeah. moment when he had to come in, when Peter, uh, Peter J had to come in and tell his entire department who have been, you know, yeah. you know, cutting time out from their families who have been in, in 
braced in these victims to find out and he had to say to them, we've got to stop. And just how, just to see this entire squad deflated and going, you know, we want to do more. We want to do our job. We want to put faces to these victims and we're not being allowed to. It was very powerful. And uh, yeah, that, that was a good, uh, a good representation of, I'm sure what that all the, those police officers felt at that time, which I thought was very, very yeah. good. I was just going to say the um, the other level of um, the issues that they sort of faced back then, not only with departments not talking to each other and always wanted to get the – was the um, underlying homophobia, which they touched on very mm. – um, uh, sort of not briefly, but mm. it was it was there, the idea that um, the victim comes in and, you know, why didn't you tell the police? Well, I did, but they just said, well, it must have been a lover's tiff. Mm. The, the the masculinity and the, the – this – homophobic police force that just didn't want to know about it. Mm. Oh, oh, it was two guys. You, why'd you go home with him? Oh, oh, well, no, no, no. It was just a lover's tiff. We're, no, we don't talk about that. You know, that's just between you guys kind of thing. Um, and that allowed people like, you know, Gacy and Dharma and uh, those guys to, to prey on men because they knew that if anyone said anything, that the police were just going to sweep it under the rugs because they didn't want to know about that kind of stuff. And well, that's, yeah. that's so fucked. Well, yeah, still, yeah um, I believe it's still in, in 1980. It was still mm. illegal for, um, if, if to have sex, you know, for, mm. you know the, the legal age for homosexuals was 20. I was going to look was, that up. Yeah. With the legal age for homosexuals were 21, I think, as opposed to bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. There was a, yeah. a different legal age. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, there's also, yeah, that, that, yeah, there's yeah. a great there's a great moment which I think represents, and I think it's from an actual line that one of the cops said, and they made it in quite a dramatic moment when Danny May's character uh, Peter J is walking in and said, "Can you describe Des for us?" and he just turns and says, "Unremarkable." Unremarkable. Mm. Yeah, that was a great moment as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. Um, quickly circling back to the stuff about the media, though, I liked how the media is portrayed in this and 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 when you're watching it you're going ah oh, the media in the 80s so good they're better yeah. now aren't they and then uh, <laughs> the day the day after episode 1 came out there are all these articles from from the media being like everyone hates how much smoking there is in des I'm like, oh great okay no the media still sucks <laughs> that's the issue with it is it yeah that's the problem with this show is it all the smoking yeah right of course i think that's what makes it interesting as well um to watch you're not just and the, the way they did it, it you're not just watching uh, the story of a monster you're literally yeah like i said like we just don't have serial killers anymore so seeing that is just so it's it's complete bizarre thing to watch mm. um these roadblocks and you and it's just fascinating um yeah like um the other level of is m- mental health support is so it's more of a thing now as well like i always wonder like if if dharma if gacy if ted bundy if um uh the, you know any of those serial killers if they were given the, the help that they need when they first showed signs of mental illness which it all comes down a lot of them come down to saying well he was you know he had he had schizophrenia or had this and that but was never given that like would they have killed? Mm, mm. Like, would they have ever gotten to that level? And the, the, the healthcare system and mental health support is so much better now that it just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just watching that being like, he just, he wouldn't have killed if he was able to, I don't know, talk to someone about these things that he's feeling. Um, 
Yeah. They didn't really, they didn't go into that, but it's a little thought that I had um, mm. watching it. But, oh, so many layers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, reality is always, in many ways, more fascinating because I, I've done a bit of research read, reading into it as well because there was someone, because Des actually lived with someone uh, for quite a for quite some time before mm. he started and they were friends and weren't really involved together. And, um, this, you know, and his time in the army and his time in the police force and all that type of stuff is kind of touched on and they don't really explore it. And they, but you don't really need to, cause he is yeah. who he is mm. because of who he yeah. is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I found that quite fascinating how, um, yeah, there's some, you, you can, use that as in many a gateway into finding out uh, a lot more about, you know, the reality of his situation. Cause he only, he died, uh, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Year and a half ago. Yeah. 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 Um, one other performance I wanted to mention was Laurie Kynaston who plays, uh, Carl Stodder, one of the mm. attempted mm. victims. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen him in anything before. This might be Same. one of his first notable roles and phenomenal. That performance yeah. was, was, Incorrect. His um that scene where he was on um the witness stand testifying, um, yeah, I was like, oh my god, because you knew like as soon as the the prosecutor sat down and said no further questions and the defense lawyer stood up, I was like anxious. I was like, <laughs> he's gonna rip this kid apart. Like he's gonna is this sorry? No, yeah, I'm thinking of the wrong person. They both went up on the witness stand. Um, is this the one who he thought it was a, a nightmare? Uh, yes, yes. Sorry, yeah. I was thinking of the other guy that had great hair. Oh, Both were amazing. <laughs> that was that was uh, Ross Anderson. He yeah. already didn't want to get up there. And look, he wasn't... They twisted his arm a little bit, but then I think he, he still got up there on his own, you know, volition, but you just knew he was going to be torn apart. And, it was and just... you could see that homophobia and that prejudice mm. there by going, so you're actually a female impersonator. And you know, everyone go, ooh. Uh, and, you know, so... Yeah, that whole thing of blaming the victim. And the idea, like, do you think that Dennis is, was your, is your saviour? And he said, I oh. don't know. And I was like, oh, my God. God, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. just incredible. Did, yeah. Um, there was a, a, a line, um, a line, a, a long bit that um, Nielsen said to uh, his biographer um, because and I, I kind of went, oh, yeah. That's a good point. Anytime you hear about um, serial killers, especially when it seems to be sex-driven, um, they talk about whether or not they uh, had sex with the, the corpse um, or engaged in necrophilia or what they did to the body afterwards, whether they boiled the head or chopped it up or this, this and that. And there's that passage, and I actually wrote it down because it was just like the way he delivered it was really amazing. Um, and I still don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> um, and it was... Uh, he said, the wicked thing that I did was to squeeze the life out of a human being. That was wrong. That was unforgivable. I will be properly punished for it. What I did to a corpse is neither here nor there. Brian, if you are more disgusted by what I did to a corpse than what I did to a living man, then your moral system is upside down and needs overhauling. And I was <laughs> like, oh, wow. Because that's what people talk about. They talk about what he did, what these killers did after yep. they killed. But the... The, the worst thing I think, and I, I was like, I agree with Dennis Nielsen here. <laughs> oh my God, am I a bad person? <laughs> I absolutely agree that the worst thing that he did was to literally to take somebody's life. Yeah. But it's um, all, again, it's a case of what I really like about it. It's, 
him justifying himself and so it's all, all all the points that you would normally see in a lesser series here from the voice of other people it all comes from him so even him there going you know i lost my grandfather when i was really young and that's the reason why that's my justification so he's trying to set up his own narrative he's trying to set it all up and mm. so i really like that he's going yeah it's the reason my, yeah that's why i became a killer is because my grandfather and they died. show it how how it actually almost works on Brian. Like it, you can see him going, oh, okay, got a point there. And then later on going, no, no, yeah. no, no. And that's exactly what, like, that's how it works, how these people manipulate, that manipulation. Yeah, I think it was in episode two because he, um, uh, uh, Peter J, the detective, met up with uh Brian Masters first time and it was a very icy response. Yeah. Then they met a second time, I think later in the second episode. Yeah. Um and uh and um they're talking about um uh the journals that that yeah. that, that um you need to show us, yeah. Yeah, and he mm. said you need to show us and he's like oh whatever and then at the end he goes like, yeah. I'll bring them around tomorrow. And I I, yeah. I was here on my own and I went, Yes <laughs> Exactly, went, yeah, because yeah, you're going, Oh no, Oh no, he's manipulating. He's manipulating Brian. It's working. It's working. And then he flips in and loses it at him. And you're like, "Yes, thank <laughs> you. I thought you were going to be super gullible." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like the point where he gives him his tie. Oh yeah. Like he taught. He talks him into giving him his tie, but yeah, it's just. Oh, and the, uh, yeah, and the, like right at the end where he goes, "Oh, you know, your book. You know what it should be called? Des. It should be called me. Yeah, it's about me." And he goes, "No, it's not yeah. about." It's not, it's about, not you. about you. You said you didn't want this about you. You wanted this to be, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and so it's that whole point. It's all Des wanting to manipulate the system to him, and for Brian to, you know, not be manipulated was a you know, a little victory at the end for. for it's for really, mm. really well done. Yeah. Mm. And um, and yeah, that was another point as well. I mean, yeah, like he was a necrophile, but they don't. Like, there's one line, there's maybe one line in the first episode where they talk about him in a morgue, and aside from that, they're like, like in terms of the cops, they don't bring it up again, and yeah. I yeah. like that. I like that this is, to a point, a very clean, true <laughs> crime story, because they don't go into any of the details that are very exploitation-y, and other reason people like certain people don't like true crime is because of that sort of stuff. And this, and this show had a statement to make and I yeah. very much respect and agree with that statement. So yeah, very well done. It's very, it's a very thin line to be a piece that talks about where, being wary of exploiting a serial killer, exploring mm. it. And by making a TV series in 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 the very nature of being a TV show about someone can exploit them or can be exploitative, um, but to to balance that so beautifully that by the end of it I'm there going this doesn't exploit Dennis at all this doesn't this doesn't get grubby or or mm. you know you know, the, you know shamelessly over the top this is very much says its message very clear, is very intelligent about what message it wants to say. And yeah, is, it uses him as a, yeah. Yeah, and also mm. focuses on really honouring um, those who, you know, who were, you know, victims of Des and yeah. no longer have a voice, which I found very powerful. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people that are against you serial killer movies and TV shows and their reasoning is that they don't want to give that person any more airtime or, you know, um, space in their brain doesn't want to give them any more notoriety, but... The, what they did with this is, yeah, it's about Des Nielsen, but it 
they're using his story and him as a way to yeah to show yeah he's he's yeah. never celebrated and it shines no. more it shines more of a light on the people the people's lives that he took i think i think they they had enough of a voice to outshine you know to drown out the voice of yeah. you know Dennis Nielsen yeah definitely um yeah well i think i think that's the end of the review right there uh quick Quick ratings. What do you think you're going to give it, Rob? Oh, two thumbs up, easily. Yeah, very much so. Very, yeah. very powerful. Very smart. And um, and I I choked up at the end with when they showed um uh all the victims' names up mm. on on the screen and they kept it up there for for quite a while. I I, I choked up at that point. It was it was uh, very powerful and a very yeah. um honourable dedication and tribute to those people. I. Agree, two thumbs up, um, or for all those reasons as well as just a different, a different view on a, a, a story. I guess a story done to death, i.e., a serial killer story. Um, yeah, really, really enjoy, enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Two thumbs up, Sandra. Yeah, two thumbs up as well. Yeah, great performances. Very well done. Very well written, directed, and yeah, just. A, a very well-made piece of of TV as well. I think it's great. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it is on Stan in Australia. Um, again, three episodes. It's like just over two hours, so a very uh, quick watch. Bite-sized. Yeah, check that out if you want. <laughs> I, I almost forgot, but we did get feedback this episode about Des. Rob, I believe you've got an email there from Reese Parton. Oh, Reese Parton, you are back to um, fill our airwaves and eardrums with your uh, densely worded reviews of awesomeness. Hi, it's Reese here. I'm writing from the spin-off, the flip side of the coin, so to speak, of your fine show, No Doubt Consumed. Firstly, congratulations on reaching 50-plus episodes, a milestone to be proud of. Thank you, Reese. Thank you, Reese. Secondly, I may have been informed by one Sandra Felcher that the main feature of this episode is the new ITV drama, Des. I first heard about the show when I saw the trailer whilst browsing the catalogue on Stan. Yes, I'm one of those people who spends more time searching for something to watch next than it would take to actually commit to a show and watch the first episode. It's funny because it's true. As a massive Doctor Who fan, my attention was naturally caught by the appearance of Rob's doppelganger, David Tennant. <laughs> More like, yes. Had to get that in there. <laughs> the fact that he was playing the antagonist of a piece also drew me in, thinking about how good he was in Jessica Jones. This was a few weeks before the show came out, and thanks to the trailer, I was keen to see it. Uh, now that I've seen it, I can say that I was not disappointed. The show and Tennant's depiction of Dennis Nielsen is unnerving, gripping, and captivating. It also filled with many other faces who have appeared in new Doctor Who, including Danny Mayers, Jason Watkins, and Ron Cook, plus a few more. For me, the two best performances were uh, from David Tennant and Danny Mayers as the man determined to bring him uh, to book, uh, Peter J. Daniel portrayed uh, portrayed how harrowing the effect of Dennis Nielsen's horrendous actions were with his natural disgust and the human need to bring justice to those who have died, while David amplified it by being so unfeeling and casual about it. It's a really mm. wonderful, nuanced and mirroring interpretation of what is, uh, which is acted superbly by the two leads. The rest of the show was excellently done too, uh, which uh, lavish production values with lavish 
production values, a sense of the times with the set and costume design, and a number of cigarettes smoked in basically every location. Uh, <laughs> and excellent direction. Ties close-ups with uh, a shallow depth of field on people's faces. All right, show off. Um, as they examine evidence or lit a cigarette. Or wide shots in scenes where they deliberately let go on just a little bit too long to continue feeling comfortable. Occasionally, I found that I started to squirm like the characters did. There was so there were some really fantastic creative choices present here. Um, so there you go, Reese. Thank you very much. On thanks, Reese. One thing I did, uh, ITV actually spent big bucks on this. They didn't hold any um, hold back on any of the coin. They actually built a complete reconstruction of. Um, uh, Dennis Nielsen's apartment for this show, so that's uh, ah, yeah, a credit. I could yeah. I could smell that apartment through the TV. Oh, yeah, like the when he first when they first walked in there and he, yeah, and they you could smell it. And then when he walked toward the pot and the guy was like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I was like, I can smell it. I can smell it. <laughs> yeah. I can smell Thank you. The- Thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, just like Reese did, you can easily email us feedback.nerdout at gmail.com is our address or message us on Instagram, nerd underscore out underscore podcast. All links to everything in the description. We'd love to hear from you for your thoughts about Des or what you want to see in Mandalorian season two. Hit us with your fan theories. Mm. Mm. Fan theories. That'd be a love lot a of fan, fun. A fan uh, theory. A fan <laughs> theory. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, next week on the show, maybe Ratchet, maybe Alona Holmes. We don't know. We'll let you know. Maybe. Or we will just drop the episode. Or we'll just do it. Um, one of those two we will check out. I think that is the episode. Yeah. yeah um, is that, well, Reese did a lot of the plugging with his own review, but would you like to plug uh, Nerd Out um, uh, Consumed or your other podcast, uh, Sandro? Sure. Nerd Out Consumed. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, what did we talk about in the recent episode? I think it was Doom Patrol. We're both watching Doom Patrol at the moment, so we're talking about that. Um, and on Oldie Buddy Goody this week, we talk about an Angela Lansbury uh, Red Riding Hood-esque oh, werewolf of movie. Called, yeah, called Company of Wolves. By Neil Jordan. Yeah, uh, I think it was his second movie. Maybe his first, I'm not sure. But yeah, the director of Interview with the Vampire, if you've seen that, you would love Company of Wolves. Crying game. And yep. uh, and the next episode after that is a Drew Barrymore film called Irreconcilable Differences, where she tries to get a divorce from her parents. Class. <laughs> which is a fun concept. Was the movie fun? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> so you can check that out, links in the description as well. That brings us to the end of another episode of Nerd Out. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Until next week or next episode, whenever that may be, make sure that you continue to nerd out. Nerd out.